It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Hour number two of the show, JT, as we are ready. A lot to get to today. Busy day coming off the Mickelson win. All the news coming up with the Golden Knights tonight against the Wild. Uh, That game will be on 7.30 p.m. 7.30 p.m. tonight. And joining us, former NHL player and current Vegas Golden Knights television analyst, friend of the show, Shane Knighty. And Shane, good to talk to you. A big night in Vegas. They got a a a little bit of breathing room, but we know how good the Wild are. How are you? Shane, are you there? All right, Bobby, I guess we lost Shane. We'll get Shane up here momentarily. If that was on us, I apologize. Hopefully the phone ghost didn't pop up, Bobby, as we kick off the second hour on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Big game tonight. Excited my wife and son are going. A little bit of a later start, so I'll be on National League tonight on Mad Dog watching the game in my home studio and rooting on the Golden Knights. And I think if they win this game, which I expect them to do, they'll have a little bit of breathing room and then get ready for what will be an amazing second-round series as we continue to go out west here. All right, Shane, good to have you coming into such a big game tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I was wondering if you hung up on me. Oh, not at all. We apologize on that. Let's uh, let's begin on when the series turned in your mind after dropping the first game. There's been a couple of big moments, but the big one for you. Yeah, there, you know, it is tough, but it, it has to be the Marshes who goal in game two. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to me at that point, they're just struggling. I think you get to a point they're trying to – they're so worried about offense. It is almost – I think the word I heard someone use is tunnel vision towards concentration just on scoring a goal, and they couldn't. They, You know, you lose game one, unable to find offense, team that found it all year. Game two, nothing going, and then Marshes, so that shot bar down kind of lifted them. Uh, I think it was a huge weight off their shoulders, and to me that was kind of the turn in the series for me at that point. Certainly there's been others, but uh, the initial one was that Jonathan Marchessault goal, to the first goal of uh, 2021 playoffs by the Golden Knights. You know, a lot of fans aren't privy to the information or what's happening with the health of the team. The team with Pacioretty and Alec Martinez as a warrior, some of these guys and the beating they took in the regular season and how tough it was – what is the overall health of the team, in your opinion, coming into this game tonight? Well, I think, you know, everybody's a game time. Uh, McNabb mm-hmm. took morning skates, so that's a good thing. Looks like he's back. Martinez, I think, is a guy that you, you're going to see him battle to the end. Everybody, and this is, you know, no different than a normal season. There's always guys banged up, bumps, bruises, certain things they play through, some worse than others. You always get the long list of, you know, there's always a few guys that need, like, you know, long, maybe surgery or something, but... You hold it off as long as you can. So the only one I, I think is, you know, patch ready. I don't know if there's really an immediate rush for them. I think they have the luxury right now of being up three games to one. And that, to me, even puts a little more, you know, emphasis on them trying to close this out quickly. That, you know, you got to close this game. Don't give Minnesota any life, not only because you want to win the round, but also that's some extra days of rest for some guys to, to heal as much as possible. And I think a guy like patch ready, hopefully if it's, you know, we keep hearing the same as you. It's, you know, game time, day-to-day. 
Well, that gives a few more days, and you certainly love to see him if they can move on against the Avalanche. Shane Nadia is our guest. Shane, I think the conversations we've had throughout the course of the year on the goalies and going back and forth with all of them, it was still unique for a lot of fans. I thought DeBoer wanted to come in with still some type of rotation until Marc-Andre played so brilliantly, even in the first loss, and bounced back and win that second game. Is this anything you can compare it to in your career or back in the day when a coach had an idea of what he wanted to do, but then, boom, right out of the gate, a goalie gets hot and you just ride with him? Yeah, I think it has. And, I, you know, I don't know about specific, but, you know, a lot of coaches think like that. And I think, you know, what coach are you, you know, you're in that position to make difficult decisions. You have to go with your gut. But I think when it's something like this and your hand is forced as much for a guy. Shane, we got you. Bobby, I can hear him in the background, so we got to uh, figure out what's going on with this phone here. Yep. Shane Knighty is our guest analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights as he joins us here ahead of the game tonight. Uh, this game versus the Wild, the Knights lead the series three games to one. Game five tonight at 7.30. Game six, if necessary, Wednesday. Game seven, if necessary, Friday. So with the way this plays out, as Shane's been talking about it, it's a very important time for the Golden Knights to beat a very good wild team that has matched up with them well and try to find a way to uh, put them down. That's what happens in hockey, to see what the Bruins were able to do to Washington and some of the big issues that we've seen along the way. Really unique time for the Golden Knights, a heavy favorite to get to the cup to close this out. And again, Shane, I'm sorry if this is on my end or your end, or but your you end. mentioned this rotation and... I thought also the strength of this team would have been the fact that they have a rotation as other starting goalies get tired later in the playoffs, but Vegas was down 0-1, and the big decision had to be made. Yeah, it did. And I think, you know, as I don't know if you heard it, the big decision need to be made, but it was made by the player. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the type the coaches like, right? When someone plays that well, that you have no choice but to allow them to just roll with it. And, uh, uh, but confident that they do have two guys, and there may come a time that, you know, rest. Uh, it's a weapon to have. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly, uh, you know, they, they, aren't, they aren't up 3-1 without the, the performance that we've seen. Uh, you know, you ask your goaltender to make the saves. All right, we're going to wrap it up with Shane. We apologize if we're having phone problems here. I don't want to keep him any longer on a game night. And uh, if it's on his, then we'll figure it out somewhere else down the road. But... I wanted to make sure that we got this in here with Shane and we could open up this hour talking about this as we had a little technical issue here and we'll get him back on again deeper in the playoffs. He's fantastic as an analyst on this team and hopefully the Golden Knights win this game tonight, which I am very, very excited about. Uh, this is a game that I think is very important for this team and their mindset as they crushed and broke the will, just absolutely broke the will, I thought, of the Wild in Minnesota to not let the Wild come into Vegas and come back here and have the ability to explode and get back into the series. Because if they win this game, the Wild are back in the series and they know how to beat the Golden Knights. All right, hour number one, we opened up talking about Julio Jones. He's the trending topic today in the NFL. He was on with Shannon Sharp earlier today. We have the sound when Shannon Sharp reached out to him and called him on the set of FS1 and wanted to get him on the record of if he wanted to stay in Atlanta or not. This was earlier today. Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? 
Oh, man, no, I'm out of there, man. You He's out, out. Of there? He's out of there. Told you. Are you going to... Ideally, where would you like to go? Uh, right now, I'm just... See, I want to win. Okay. Dallas. We don't go to Dallas. If you go to... You ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. All right, so that is a big deal because he's not going to stay in Atlanta. He doesn't want to go to Dallas. He said that, of course, if Dallas – and Dallas doesn't need him. Dallas has Amari Cooper, and they have CeeDee Lamb. So that was just a play with Skip Bayless because they were trying to figure out what he was going to do. So that led everybody to the Raiders and what the Raiders could be in this hunt because the Raiders have young wide receivers. They have very young wide receivers. And when you have young wide receivers, you can look at it two ways if you're in the Raider Nation. One would be let the young receivers develop into their own. Well, that didn't work out very well last year because Edwards was hurt and Ruggs didn't have a very good year. They couldn't get him the ball enough. So as I look at the Raiders now, the Raiders are very high up in regards to a Vegas interest team when it comes to Vegas odds. So that's not something I made up. Uh, According to Sportsline through William Hill, Julio Jones' next team odds – San Francisco at plus 250. Bet 100 to win 250. Las Vegas plus 300. New England plus 500. The Chargers plus 700. And then all the way down to Green Bay and Baltimore. Green Bay at plus 1,500. And Baltimore plus 1,800. So as you look at this number now, it's coming clear, becoming clear to everybody that the Raiders are on the short list. Now, I don't know if Julio Jones wants to be a Raider. I don't know why he wouldn't be to come to Vegas. No state taxes, brand new stadium, brand new facility. And he could get to play with former teammates from Alabama. Remember, he was unstoppable at Alabama. And now he would come to a team with Ruggs and Jacobs and the Alabama players that are here. Leatherwood, who was drafted in the first round. I think it would be a pretty good family fit for him. I think the fit makes a lot of sense in Vegas. Now, the other thing we were discussing in the first hour of the show, is what it would do for the Raider defense. Julio Jones can only help the Raider defense stay on the sideline a little bit longer as Derek Carr has another weapon. But it seems to be that a lot of fans are confused about the philosophy of what John Gruden wants to do with a passing attack or running the ball. And I don't think that Julio Jones would want to come to a team in the Raiders if the Raiders are committed to running the ball as much as they've had in the past. So would Derek Carr be a good guy? Because he's under contract and we're talking about June 1st. Would Derek Carr be the type of player that could take his game to the next level? I think so. I think that Matt Ryan's a future Hall of Famer. He's got Hall of Fame numbers. So he's been a better quarterback than Derek Carr. He's gone to the Super Bowl. He won the NFC Championship game. He had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. And the problem was after that, they got too cute in Kyle Shanahan's offense Julio had a big game, but then everything fell apart as the Patriots came roaring back. So I think Carr today is a better quarterback than Matt Ryan. Not historically and not for the entire career, but heading into this, I think it's going to be a big deal. Heading into this season, I think that Julio Jones would rather play with the arm strength of Derek Carr and his ability now in the absolute prime of his career instead of Matt Ryan. 702-365-9200 is the number. As we continue on, 211 Steel Reserve, you're up next. What's happening? He is not there either. Uh, when we come back, we're going to keep this thing rolling. We've got a couple other good guests lined up here along the way. We'll continue talking about this Golden Knights game 
tonight and the importance of it and also what happened on Sunday as Sunday was an incredible day for sports I really do not only did LeBron James go down in the first game of round one in Phoenix Phil Mickelson won the PGA championship and there was a bunch of great hockey games that went on at the same time too we'll recap what an epic Sunday it was and preview the Golden Knights if you want to get on hold now if our phones decide to work we'll get you up next And we'll talk about Julio Jones. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Because the rest of the NFL cities around the country are talking about this. 702-365-9200. As we continue on, and I'll be on tonight for a big national show on this topic too, is Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't want to lose them, but it looks like Julio's on his way out. Raider Nation Radio. Nicholson from 16 feet. This ball going to work just a little bit from left to right as that works down the slope. Left to right, up to the cup, and that stops six inches away, but Phil Mickelson's going to tap in for a par. He is going to shoot a one over 73 in the final round, but Phil Mickelson creates and sets professional golf history, the oldest to win a major championship. Phil Mickelson embraces his brother Tim. Phil Mickelson is the champion of the 103rd PGA Championship. There it is, Phil Mickelson yesterday on PGA Tour Radio. Uh, JT, back with you, and we are brought to you by Modelo. Love Modelo. The fighting spirit means never giving up, even when the odds are against you. Modelo is a brand that came from small beginnings and never gave up. That's the fighting spirit. That's what makes a lion. You better believe it. And, man, I had a Pacifico. I had a Modelo. I was celebrating Phil winning yesterday. Welcome back to the show. Busy show. A lot to get to with the Golden Knights tonight. I just wanted to talk about the weekend and what the weekend was like for sports and a couple other things. But, you know, one of the reasons I hope you listen to me on whatever show I'm hosting is I love sports. I'm not a phony when it comes to sports. You know, I love sports, and I watch it all the time. And there's some things I can't watch every day. I mean, I can't watch everything, but I like to watch a lot of sports. I love to watch the recap shows. It's part of my show prep and what I have to do here every day, as you know. But over the weekend, it was absolutely perfect because I set up a lot of time to watch golf with Phil Mickelson. Not because I thought he would win. I predicted that Phil would win majors my whole career on the radio. He was my guy, more so than Tiger Woods. So whenever Phil was in a major, I would predict him to win. That would be the guy. And I predicted him to win because, really, I thought he would win. I really did think he would win because he was, you know, a future Hall of Fame golfer. I liked him at all the big setups. A couple of times I played him as a, you know, I thought of him as a favorite, a guy I wanted to win at a certain major. But even if I didn't think he'd win, I'd pick him because I love Phil Mickelson. He's one of my favorite, favorite athletes out there. And, oh, he is an athlete, and he's an elite athlete. You don't go out and bury all the people that he buried in that tournament who were in their early to mid-20s when you're not an athlete at the age of 50. Here's Phil post-round on what it took to win. This is just an incredible feeling because I I just believed that it was possible, but yet everything was saying it wasn't. And I I hope that um, 
others find that inspiration. It might take a little extra work, a little bit harder effort to maintain uh, physically or maintain the, the skills, but gosh, is it worth it uh, in the end? And I, I'm uh, so appreciative to be holding this Wanamaker trophy. That's such a perfect, perfect soundbite. It sums it all up because he's not there. He's just not there to compete. You know, Phil's getting these special exemptions until yesterday to play in these tournaments coming up, and now he doesn't need it. He has a full five-year exemption to play in every major, every tournament, which is absolutely incredible if he decides to play that long, and Phil's going to be successful on the senior tour. Imagine what Phil can do on the senior tour after burying Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Bryson DeChambeau, and Jordan Spieth. Uh, the crowd was electric. The weather was gorgeous at Kiowa Island. It looked so good on television throughout the weekend, starting on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And those fans really rallied for Phil. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> slightly unnerving, but exceptionally awesome, so thank you. Um, and for the way you've supported the game of golf for so many years, going all the way back to the 91 Ryder Cup, this place has been uh, a, a big part of the game of golf. So thank you, everybody here at Kiowa Island and, and South Carolina. Yeah, it was special. The golf course looked amazing, didn't it? It's very similar of a look when you're watching golf. Pebble Beach is spectacular on the Monterey Peninsula. But then you see Kiowa Island in South Carolina, and, and I want to go there. That's a bucket list for me as I played golf on Sunday with a bunch of my Cleveland buddies who are always listening to the show. And we had a good round early in the morning so we could watch Phil a little bit later on. Real quickly on the weekend, it was a really good weekend. First off, today is my son's 20th birthday. So happy birthday to my oldest son who turns 20 today. And today's my dad's birthday. And as you know, I often talk about my dad on the show. My dad's an identical twin. It's also my Uncle Gene's 83rd birthday. So today is my favorite day of the year. My favorite day of the year is not my birthday. It is this day. This day changed my life because my son was born five, almost six weeks early, six weeks early, premature, and he was born on my dad's birthday. And I'll never forget that day. As a matter of fact, my buddy Todd, who listens to the show all the time, is one of the greatest guys I've ever met. Uh, Todd Parmalee was with me that day when I got the phone call and we were golfing to get to the hospital so 20 years ago today, my wife gave birth to my oldest son. So I wanted to get that in there because for his birthday present tonight, my wife and my son John are going to the Golden Knights game, which I'm excited about. And that is going to be really cool for them to be in the building tonight at T-Mobile Arena for that great game. And he's back from college, and he's going to have a lot of fun at that game tonight. And I wish I was going, but I'm hosting two radio shows to pay for those tickets so he could go have a good time tonight. Also, this past Saturday, my son graduated high school over at Bishop Gorman. Uh, the, the ceremony was over at the South Point, and it was fantastic. Thanks to Steve Stallworth and his entire team over at the South Point. And they put that on in the Equestrian Center in that arena, and it was just fantastic. I'm so proud of my son and all of his friends. So over the weekend here, we went to a bunch of graduation parties where kids get envelopes and their fans have uh, <laughs> their their families get catered food. So we were popping all over the valley here for various graduation parties. But I, I wanted to say this, and I said it on my national show last night, to the kids who graduated college, but especially those who graduated high school, and it might have been middle school, whatever it is. These kids went through hell. What a what a rough year. My son, most of half of 11th grade in his entire senior year at a really vibrant school, 
and they missed out. They missed out on a big way, but those kids found a way to persevere and get through it, and they're going to be better off for it, better off. They went through a much more difficult time, these high school seniors, for all of us who are older than them, than we did. I don't care how tough it was in general, what these kids did getting through high school during COVID was very, very difficult. So shout out to all the high school graduates around town here, around the valley, as I count down to the JT the Brick empty nesting, as that's right around the corner here, as I'm excited about that. I'm going to miss my son, but he's going to have a vibrant time at Arizona State University here in the fall. So I'll be uh, bouncing back and forth to Oklahoma and ASU to see my sons over the next couple of years and watch some good sports, and hopefully they have a great, great run in college. So back to Phil. So Phil was on, and this is what I wanted to watch, more than LeBron. And, of course, I watched LeBron. I had another TV going for that. But game one between Phoenix and LeBron was not a priority for me. I didn't think that LeBron – and Anthony Davis would be able to win that game. So I dialed into Phil Mickelson for the entire day. And it was just a perfect storm. The guy that I always rooted for, the guy I wanted to see win, a guy I didn't think could win at this golf course because of the wind, it just being really difficult, found a way to win and not collapse. Anybody who watched it over the weekend, you understand that there was a potential for a Phil Mickelson collapse. And he didn't do it. And he put those drives deep into the fairway. And Phil was unbelievable on his approach shot. And on the fifth hole on Sunday, he hit the ball in the cup from the bunker, which was incredible. The birdie on 10 was amazing. And I really think that Phil Mickelson needed to win that golf tournament by beating the lead. I don't think he would have won coming from behind. If it was tied for most of the tournament, I think eventually someone like Brooks Kepka would have pulled away. But the fact that he had a nice lead on Saturday and he was playing ahead made a huge difference in him winning the PGA Championship. So what does this mean in sports? I think there's a lot of takeaways. This golf championship, this tournament for Phil Mickelson, in my opinion, makes it a Mount Rushmore moment in the history of golf. It doesn't make him a Mount Rushmore golfer. But when you look at Tiger and Tiger and Jack Nicklaus, they're one and two. Jack's one, Tiger's two, and that's not going to change. That's not going to change probably in our lifetime. But Phil, I think, secured himself in the top 10 all the time. And he has one of the greatest wins ever because he's the oldest to ever win a major. So if you put that all together, I think that Phil Mickelson secured his legacy. We already knew he was a Hall of Fame golfer. He's got all that. But this now ranks him as one of the greatest golfers of all time, and no one could ever take that away. Remember, he played his entire career in the shadow of Tiger Woods. All of those runner-ups, all those second places. But he did something that Tiger Woods probably will never do and win a major championship at the age of 50. No one might ever do that. If you take a look at how long it's been since someone was able to pull that off. So I love it. Mickelson became the rare player to win in four decades, joining Davis Love III, Raymond Floyd, and Sam Snead. He became the 14th player to win six majors but just a second since 1990. So that's been a really, really long time. It was his 45th PGA Tour victory, tying him with Walter Hagen for eighth most in tour history. And Mickelson was ranked 115th coming into the week. 115th at 50 years old. Are you kidding me? And he won a major golf championship. How is that ever going to happen again? One more thing on, on Tiger Woods. I really believe that Tiger, if he didn't get into the car accident, 
which was such a ferocious car accident that could have killed him. I think the Tiger would have did what exactly Phil did on Sunday. That Tiger, in his late 40s or early 50s, would have put himself in a position or two to win a major. That was always my thought before the car accident. So that's why I always kept the door open for Tiger Woods to catch Jack Nicklaus. Because if Phil could do it at 50, I thought the Tiger could do it. But with Tiger's severe back pain, and now that he shattered his ankle, and what happened to his tibia in that accident, I think Tiger will come back and play. No doubt about it. I think he'll come back and play, but I don't think he'll be at the level to consistently go out there and put himself in a position to win on Sundays and majors. Also, Phil beat Brooks Kepka, who is a hell of a golfer, and he beat Louis Ustaven, who was chasing him too. So the leaderboard was tremendous for Phil Mickelson. But finally, the last thing I want to say on this as we continue on Raider Nation Radio is the fact that a 50-year-old guy committed to fitness. He committed to his body and his mind to go out and do this. Phil Mickelson could have just retired, went to the senior tour, and for whatever reason, he's decided to change his diet, to be more fit, to work out harder. And then he had an opportunity to compete with these young guns because with his fitness and his ability to walk 18 holes and not really struggle with that, the rest of his game is better. He's got a better short game. He's got a better game out of the bunkers. We all know that Phil's been a great putter throughout his career. And it was just cool to watch that on Sunday. There are not many events that blow me away to the point that I'm almost in tears. When Phil Mickelson won his first Masters tournament, he called into my radio show live as he was in a limousine on his way to The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It was set up at the former company I worked with, and it was really cool that we made that happen. And that was one of the reasons why I've always liked Phil. I have an autographed Masters golf flag in my sports room here, and I just want the guy to win. My dad's a lefty, Phil's lefty, so it always connected my dad, who again is 83 years old today. So when I called my dad yesterday after the round, it was another bonding moment with a father and a son. And I watched it with one of my sons, and I thought it was tremendous. You know, I'm sure the ratings will be good as we're waiting for the ratings to come in. But in general, it was one of those crowning achievements in sports that I was happy to talk about. And last night, the phones were flooded on my SiriusXM show from fans who really felt connected with Phil Mickelson and wanted him to win. And no one saw it coming, especially from a gambling perspective. And the people who usually bet on Phil, who just didn't bet on him like they would have 10, 20 years ago. But he wins at Kiowa Island, and it's one of the greatest golf achievements of all time. And don't be surprised, everybody, as we're sitting here before Memorial Day, that at the end of the year when they look at the greatest sports achievement, we still have the Olympics, the NBA Finals, the Super Bowl with Tom Brady at 43. I think this is going to come in at number one. I really believe that this will be the greatest sports achievement in all of 2021, Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl at 43, and he's not slowing down. But what Phil did, I think, is more difficult because it's an individual sport. You know, Tom Brady can hand the ball off and throw some completions, and his defense makes plays. It was Phil out there all by himself against some of the greatest golfers in the world, and he buried him. He won the tournament by two strokes. But look at all the guys that he beat by 8, 10, 11 strokes along the way. That's what blew me away. Congratulations to Lefty and Phil Mickelson. Congratulations to all the graduates as I started off with graduated this weekend, and I thought it was a great weekend. The weather's great today. 
We got a big week in front of us. I'll be with Mike Mayock tonight as I'm uh, hosting a virtual, a virtual event for PSL club holders tonight. So I'm going to have a really good opportunity to talk to Mike Mayock about the draft. And after tonight's a virtual event, I'll have more information on that tomorrow. And more on this Julio Jones speculation. If you think Julio Jones should be a Raider at all cost, dial up right now, 702-365-9200. Really, that's what sports radio is all about. One of the top landing spots for Julio Jones is the Las Vegas Raiders. And we'd like the fans on the flagship to agree or disagree with going out and getting him. I don't know how you could disagree. He's one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play. And he's still got years left. Why not do it in Vegas, Raider Nation? Do you like that move? 702-365-9200. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. When you go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill, head on to the back bar. It's the Remy Martin Bar. And you'll have a great time there overlooking the pool and all that Raider memorabilia right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. gives me uh, more time to just dissect the team, know what we did wrong in the previous game, especially games one. It's always been a fill-out game for me, so I'm looking forward to breaking down the, the film tonight and then as a team tomorrow and uh, even get some more um, on, on the day of the game, I believe, Tuesday. And uh, I'm ready for that, for that challenge again. Well, I think LeBron is in a little bit of trouble here, and we'll get into more of this coming up. I think that LeBron has to find a way to win game two, and he has to do it in a big way. And if LeBron isn't able to do that, they're toast. They are absolute toast if he's not able to do that. So this is going to be a really big moment for LeBron James coming up in game two and exactly what needs to happen going forward. And for LeBron, I think he could do it. A lot of people think, we had Ryan Hollins on earlier today, that they could flip a switch. And they can get going again. They're the the reigning champs. They're the reigning champs, but they're the seventh seed this year, and they've had a lot of injuries. And I personally believe they'll win this series, but it probably goes seven. And if Anthony Davis doesn't wake up and LeBron doesn't look healthier, and they can't stop Devin Booker, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. 702-365-9200. Interested in your opinion. Interested in your opinion exactly what needs to happen with Julio Jones? He's an expensive player, cost a lot of money. They got to massage the cap. They got to give up something to get him. But if they're going to be able to do that, would you want to see that type of player here and go for it now? Players like Julio Jones just don't become available. He's available now in a trade. This is the moment for Raider fans to react to this topic. 702-365-9200. Uh, let's head out to Stoner Dude. What's happening, my friend? Hey, JT, I've been a fan of yours for 20 years, and I became a fan of yours because I know you're a Rush fan. And you even have Rush references in your family. Uh, everyone will gather on the 24th of May in Lakeside Park. <laughs> Happy birthday to your, to your boy and your dad. It's also the birthday for the great Tommy Chong, so it's a big day, JT. <laughs> Is it Tommy Chong's birthday? Because I yes, know man. Bobby's been playing Bob Dylan all day because one of my sons was born on Bob Dylan's birthday today, and the other one... June 18th is born on Paul McCartney's birthday to tie that into music, Stoner Dude. Nice. Nice to add that. Uh, those are great inspirations for your kids to grow up by, JT. Hey, I want to talk about Julio Jones. 
Mike Mayock said it straight up, and he says it all the time. We're always looking to get better at every, and he emphasizes every position. And the reason we got John Gruden for so many reasons, but one of them was to certainly bring in players like Julio Jones. Those are the kind of players you win Super Bowls with, JT. And I want to wrap it up with, I want to say congratulations, JT, to one of our good friends, uh, Mr. C. Howard Cosell in Heaven. Yes. There's a great movie coming out on YouTube about him, Mr. C. in Heaven. I'm really looking forward to that, man. You know, He's the greatest Howard, Stern, uh, how, I'm sorry, Howard Cosell impersonator on the planet. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun with him over the years at Ricky's and just all the times that he would dress up as Howard Cosell. And I got to know him really well when we would go to the American Century Golf Tournament up in Tahoe, and he would come out on the golf course and do the – do the bit with all the players there and was fantastic. And I know he's fighting the toughest battle of his life and I follow him on social media. So anything we can do to help promote his movie and his talent, he's just a great guy on and off the air on TV, off TV. And uh, this is something I'm really looking forward to one more time. Julio Jones. Yes or no stoner, dude, you're a diehard Raider fan. You like the deal? You win Super Bowls with players like Julio Jones, veterans, solid, talented players that want to go win that ring. Bring them in. Yeah, appreciate the call. Thanks. Yeah, look, it, it's not as easy as that because what, what I like about this topic with Julio Jones, if you want to get in before we end the show at the top of the hour, 702-365-9200, it's a sports radio debate topic. It really is. It's a sports radio debate. So do you want to do you want to go out and take a chance and roll the dice on someone you know who's great, or do you want to build? And I I understand what Mike Mayock and John Gruden want to do with building the team, with the players that they want to get and the Alabama players. And it's interesting Julio Jones is an Alabama player. He's an Alabama player, and there's no doubt he would fit in perfectly to the system with a bunch of young Alabama players. A bunch of players who, who would love him, look up to him like a father figure, a big brother. So it would be a good fit within the organization. The question is how much can you get out of him and how great could he be? So Julio Jones would come in as the best player on the, on the Raider offense. Most accomplished player, better than Waller, better than Carr. I don't know why anybody doesn't want to look at that or at least dissect it and talk about what it is. Now, Will it take an uh, you know? Will it take a lot of money to do that? Would you need help from Atlanta? As I thought, Mike Florio really wrote a good piece on this. He wrote an excellent piece on this earlier today on the options, some of the options that we have going forward. The Raiders have the ability for Atlanta to pay some of the freight. If Atlanta wants a draft pick so badly, if they want a Raider draft pick so badly, a second or third rounder, well, maybe they'd pay. Out of the $15 million bucks, would they pay 4 or $5 million of it? I don't know. I don't know, but Florio wrote about it, and he used an example of exactly what happened with the deal with Teddy Bridgewater to Denver, and that's a quarterback who's younger than Julio Jones. You're not going to get a bargain. You're not going to get a bargain with Julio Jones, but what you're going to get is a guy that might give you a chance this year to win an extra game or two that could be the difference between the Raiders making the playoffs or not in their first season with fans. And that's why there's been an undercurrent, a buzz, potentially, about what could happen with Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Even though I'm a car guy and I'd like to see Derek Carr stay here long term. These conversations come up all the time because teams want to get better. And Chris in West Oakland, who called in a little while ago, made a very good point. A really deep and interesting point about 
what I think is, is, is critical going forward here, which is critical. What do you want to do? Do you want to win now, or do you want to follow a path of building a team a certain way? And I think the Raiders are doing a combination of all that. I think Mike Mayock is addressing every position every day. They're evaluating everybody. They're trying to build through the draft. They really are. And they're getting a lot of heat from within Raider fans in regards to how they're building through the draft. A lot of Raider fans are frustrated. They're impatient, and they want players like Arnett and Cleland Farrell, high draft picks, former first-round picks, to be great instantly. And I understand that. But, but you also got to understand that there is a chance to finally go for it, to really go for it and say to yourself, man, this is a special player. And this special player can be the difference between keeping the Raider defense on the bench with five minutes to go because Julio Jones picks up a third and 12 on an out route and Carr moves the chains and the Raiders are able to win the game and Carr takes a knee in victory formation because they did not put the defense back on the field. As much as I think this defense is going to improve with the players that they have, The best thing that could help out this defense now is Derek Carr's ability to extend drives with his legs. With his legs. If he's able to, on third and four, third and five, not put the ball in the air, which could get deflected, dropped, intercepted, and the Raiders have to punt again, if Derek Carr can run six yards and pick up a first down, the way Mahomes is doing that, I think that's a fascinating story to me. And Derek always is honest about that, and I think he's more and more comfortable at running changing the play at the line of scrimmage, and doing, doing certain things that I think are going to make him better over the next couple of years as he's in his undisputed prime of his career. Undisputed prime of his career. Uh, rumors today and now reports Aaron Rodgers not at OTAs. Uh, that's another sign that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. He was not among the group of Packer players who reported to Lambeau Field today for the start of organized team activities. That's not a big deal. Andrew Brandt told us last week he didn't expect to see Brett Favre in May and June, and that wasn't a big deal. Uh, This comes as no surprise, according to Rob Domofsky, who we had on the show two weeks ago. Uh, Rodgers did not participate in Phase 1, which the Packers held virtually for the previous four weeks, or Phase 2, which was held in person last week. So there weren't many people that was sitting around Lambeau Field today expecting you know, Aaron Rodgers to pull up in a Lamborghini and say, I'm back, how's everyone doing with hugs? He wants out. Phase three includes a total of 10 days of work spent over four weeks, and it begins today. The first session open to reporters is tomorrow. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor was talking about that and what he's been writing. The entire off-season program, excluding the June 8th to 10th mandatory minicamp is voluntary. However, Rodgers is one of 19 Packer players with an off-season workout bonus. He's already missed enough to disqualify him from cashing his $500,000 bonus. Isn't that insane when you hear of it that way, everybody? When you hear of people walking away from a $500,000 workout bonus. Now, Aaron Rodgers, fortunately, is able to make that up. In a State Farm commercial, with the time, the amount of times those commercials run, it's not that big of a deal. But there's a lot of players on the team that look around and they truly need a workout bonus because that's part of their overall salary that is built into their contract. And a lot of young players on the Raiders realize this too. you got to show up for work. 
This is your job. Your job is to be in shape, to be available. If you get hurt and you get injured, that's going to happen from time to time. But if you're able to figure it out and show up to all these events and get paid along the way, that's how you put money in the bank. That's how you retire and you don't have to worry about another job. That's how you can pay for it all. Hey, when we come back, we'll go through some of these NHL games that are coming up tonight, including your Vegas Golden Knights and what the NBA looks like over the next day or two. There's a little bit of a light panic, a little bit of a light panic going on with the Lakers. We are brought to you by Bell Solar. Bell Solar is the premium solar company here in all of Las Vegas. They're hiring. When you're thinking about solar, think of Bell Solar to cut your electric rate and change your entire life at home when it comes to your electrical bill. Jan Mark, who had an assist on that empty net goal moments ago, steers it around to the near boards. Kolasar protects it. Four seconds to the point. Brodeen, he shoots, blocks, and out of the zone it goes. It's all over. Vegas shuts out Minnesota in game four. Four-nothing, the final score. Huge games for the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll play tonight at 7.30. JT, back with you as we wrap up the show. Brought to you by our good friends at Ihole, the award-winning tequila. They are a proud sponsor of the Silver Knights. Also, you'll see their logo up on the glass tonight, as you always see as they are at home. If you're looking for a new premium tequila, Ihole, proud partner of our show. So we got a couple of big games coming up tonight. Again, the latest of all the games, which, as it says right now, I think the local programming, it says on the national news, it's on CNBC. All right, I'll, I'll get clarification on that. CNBC. So you have a lot of games tonight. It'll be the Islanders and the Penguins. That series is tied at two. Maple Leafs, Canadians, they started late because of Vancouver's problems wrapping up their season with COVID concerns. That series is tied up at one. Lightning and the Panthers. Lightning looking to eliminate a really good Florida team. They're up three games to one. Oilers and the Jets. Winnipeg is up 3 nothing. 3 nothing in that series, and then the Wild and the Golden Knights. You know, the Wild made me a little bit nervous before the season started, knowing that they're a tough out for the Golden Knights. But to be down one nothing, and when Marcia so scored to get them back in the series, and now Stone has woken up, uh, this is now a time where the Golden Knights got to take care of business. This is a franchise that could have, I'm not saying should have, could have won the Stanley Cup by now should win and could win the Stanley Cup this year. In order to do that, they've got to prove that they can close out series at home, like tonight with a big crowd. Let's get these crowds at full capacity, please. I mean, let's go. What are we waiting for? 18,000-plus, fill the arena, let's go. Vegas is opening up, and that's a big part of the home ice advantage that they have. Uh, Thanks to all of our guests today. Bobby ran the show. We appreciate that. I'll be back tomorrow, a recap of my night tonight with Mike Mayock and what we talk about in regards to his impression of the offseason and the draft as we're doing a virtual draft recap for some sweet ticket holders tonight. I'm excited to be a part of that. And then we'll back, be back here tomorrow, full week here, for all our great partners. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Have a good day, you guys.